0: Hello, everyone. I am Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 210 of Weekly Poker Hand. That is a lot of episodes. If you have not already, go back and watch all of them at jonathanlittlepoker.com. I started that site about, well, four years ago, I guess, and um, we've been doing the podcast ever since. There are also a ton of blog posts there, one each week for the last four years. And if you like poker strategy, you will certainly love that blog. So today we are going over a hand from a... 5-10 game from Stone's Gambling Hall. In this situation, I believe there is a $20 straddle, and here we have JD limping from early position with 9-7 offsuit. JD likes to play a lot of hands. We've already discussed this in the previous few episodes of Weekly Poker Hands, so we're not going to harp on it. Don't play garbage. Nothing good comes from playing garbage. Falls around to Steve G. and the cutoff, who has seemed to play a reasonable mix of hands. And he has 9-8 of hearts, which is a great hand, and he likes to raise it to 60. Now, when there is a straddle, I'm a little bit more inclined to limp and then call a raise if the straddle raises. Also, though, if I'm going to raise, which I think is fine, you want to make it bigger because when you make it 60, JD is going to call $40 more every time. Also, the big blind is going to call a lot. The straddle is going to call a lot. The button's going to call if they have anything reasonable. And you lose a lot of your fold equity. And... Believe it or not, a lot of your profit and no-limit hold'em comes from just picking up the pot. I do understand that 9-8 of hearts is a hand that flops really well, which is why I don't mind limping it and keeping the pot small. But if you are going to raise, you want to make it a little bit bigger, in my opinion. So, he does raise to 60. Ellie, in the straddle, calls. As I told you he would. And um, JD almost certainly calls as well. The graphics don't say it, but I'm sure he did. Flop comes... Ace, king, jack, two hearts. So, Ellie is first in the straddle with ace, three. So, he has top pair and a backdoor nut flush draw. This is definitely a spot where I think he should check top pair. But he decides to lead. Wow, he leads big for 175 bucks, which is, I guess, pot or close to pot. Um, yeah, 60 times three is 180 So, he pots it. I would definitely not pot it with top pair bad kicker here. This is a spot where when Steve G raises preflop, he should have something reasonable. And you have to ask, how does a reasonable range do on ace, king, jack? Well, it does quite well. This is a classic, I'm not going to call it a mistake, but classic play that people make of betting purely for protection. In this spot, when you lead, you are going to get called only by an ace, which you, you lose to because ace three on ace, king, jack loses to all the aces. King, queen, or king, 10, which have plenty of equity, queen, jack, or queen, queen, jack, or jack, 10, which have plenty of equity, and then all the other two pairs that beat you, and then also flush draws. So, against that range, you'll find that ace three is actually in pretty bad shape. When you're going to be in bad shape against a range from out of position, usually you just want to check and look to check call to induce as many bluffs as you can. So, when faced by this giant lead, obviously the 9-7 offsuit has to fold because that's what 9-7 offsuit has to do most of the time. And Steve G should probably just call in position with a flush draw. It's not a great spot, but in position, you can often call and then see what develops. If you he was out of position, I would be more inclined to, I mean, normally raise, but I guess on this board when the guy's leading, he probably has something pretty good. So I guess I would call too, but even then, I don't think folding would be insane from out of position but he's in position. You see how my brain is um, trained to think about how I would play all these spots in position, out of position, facing a bigger bet, facing a smaller bet, etc. And you can learn how to do all that over at PokerCoaching.com. You can get a completely free trial for one week. Go there and learn to think like me. I don't know if that's necessarily what you want, but um, it's what you'll learn over there. Anyway, here, Steve G does like to make the call in position. The turn is a 10 of clubs. So now it's ace, king, jack, 10. And Ellie checks. All right. Now, a queen makes a straight, right? And if you just listened to that range I outlined for Steve G to have, it should be a lot of hands containing a queen or a lot of two pairs at this point or flush draws. Now, a lot of flush draws are going to have a queen too. This is a spot where I definitely think Steve G needs to be bluffing with his 9-8. Very likely, Ellie has some sort of top pair or maybe two pair at this point. When your opponent likely has top pair or two pair, this is a fantastic spot to bet to try to make them fold all of that by the river. Pot is $545, and Steve G has $950 remaining. I just realized I told you the stack sizes. I apologize if you were listening to this in the audio format. You can always watch it at JonathanLowPoker.com slash WPH. Anyway, we were playing pretty deep stacked. I think that was hopefully assumed. Um, In this spot, pot's 545, Steve G has 950 remaining. If he bets 200 on the turn and Ellie calls, pot's going to go to 945, and Steve G will have 750 remaining, which is a very nice 3 fourths pot river shove, and I think that will have a ton of fold equity. So this is a spot where I would bet 200 on the turn and then jam the river no matter what it comes, in Steve G's shoes, also notice he happens to have an open-ended straight draw, which obviously the queens are relevant because you chop them. But um, the seven will give him a straight, which will sometimes beat a slow played. Well, not a slow. It, it will sometimes beat the two pairs. Obviously, still lose to a slow played queen, but um, sometimes you win if you get there with the seven. If you did bet the turn and the river comes a seven, I would usually check check the river. Although it may make sense to value bet if you think Ellie will pretty much always. Bet with his queens on the turn. So, in this spot, I would definitely bet 200. Notice if he bets instead like 400 on the turn, the pot will go up to 1300 and he'll only have 550 remaining in his stack, which will give him way less fold equity on the river, meaning his opponent's just going to look and realize he's getting great pot odds. So, he's going to shrug his shoulders and call because he's getting 3 to 1 pot odds or 4 to 1 pot odds on the river. So, this is definitely a spot where you're Um, Steve G needs to be very aware of his stack size and should go for the small bet. So, let's see what he does. He takes his time, he thinks about it, and then he checks. Ugh, I hate checking here. River is a jack. Now the board's paired. Ellie checks again, which I think is fine. He has a very clear marginal made hand. You definitely want to be checking. There's no point in bluffing this because your opponent's clearly never folding a better hand. All right, now, back to Steve G. Steve G. I definitely think he needs to bet again. Ellie very likely has one pair, an ace. Or he had something like King-10, which just got counterfeited on the river. So this is definitely a spot where he needs to bluff. If you think about Steve G's range, he has very few complete bluffs here. The bluffs he has are King-10, right? King-10 and... I mean, really, what else? There's like nothing he could have. King-10 that would elect to bluff here. He could also have ace-10 or ace-x and decide to bluff, but I don't think that's such a good idea because those chop a lot of the time. And you might as well take a free chop and not risk betting into a guy who's slow playing the queen. Or he has a few busted flush draws like 9-8 of hearts or 8-7 of hearts or 7-6 of hearts, and maybe he doesn't even call those on the flop. So this is a spot where, given he has so few bluffs, he needs to be bluffing with all of them. It's very important to think about your range and realize when you have... Almost no bluffing candidates. When you have almost no bluffing candidates and some value candidates, you need to be betting all your value candidates, and usually, like right here, the three or four combinations of bluffs you have. So I definitely think Steve G should bet, and he should probably be using a small bet size, which may sound kind of crazy to bet $300 into this 545 pot. But if you know that you are value betting almost every time with ace-jack or ace-king, or a queen, or even a hand like jack 10, right? All these hands would have called a flop, likely checked the turn, or considered checking the turn if you had a queen, and then would definitely bet when they rivered a boat. When you have a lot of combinations of full houses and very few combinations of bluffs, you can give your opponent great pot odd because you know they're going to lose almost every time. It just so happens, if he calls this time, he's going to win, but he's going to lose almost every time. Now, if you instead decide to play an exploitative strategy because you think Ellie will call a small bet almost every time with top pair, but will fold to a big bet with top pair, well then clearly you want to bet big. Um, Alternatively, if you think he'll always fold to a small bet because he's going to look at that and think it's for quote unquote obvious value, you want to bet small and then bet big for value. Um, I don't know how Ellie plays. I don't know what he views as strong, what he views as weak. So when you don't know how your opponent's going to play, you should default to just trying to play a somewhat balanced style. And here, a small bet is usually going to be the right play. This time, though, he just snap-checks it back, and obviously he's going to lose, and this is a spot where Steve G... I mean, the pot was his. He decided to just not take it. Sometimes, when the pot's free, you just have to take it. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Again, thank you all very much for being here today. I appreciate all of you. If you have not already, check out PokerCoaching.com. They we have lots and lots of quizzes that will teach you to not make this error that Steve G just made, because making this error is going to make it hard to be a significant winner. And the way you get to the top is by being a significant winner, not by being a small winner or a loser. So don't make mistakes. Good luck in your games, and I'll talk to you next week.